Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. I'm Jennifer Rogers Markwell and you're joining us on the Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. I'm joined by Tiffany Ryder. Tiffany, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my pleasure. So you have a really like unique story. So if you're open, I would love to hear more about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am a practicing emergency medicine physician associate uh, at University of Maryland and um, and a healthcare consultant. I've recently opened my own health and wellness consulting company, Lucid Wellness, where we're working with clients in a couple of different ways, one-on-one executive wellness coaching and um, doing some things with groups in the corporate arena. But I started my career 20 years ago as an exercise scientist and uh, NFL cheerleader, professional dancer. And so it has not been a linear path for me. I totally resonate with your story so much because my path is clearly not the same as yours, but different, but similar. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's the same, but different. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think going from, you know, one aspect that doesn't necessarily feed into the next aspect, like such a unique journey. How So tell us, let's rewind a little, tell us like where you were, kind of how that unfolded, what you were doing, how you became a cheerleader, kind of the backstory there, and then how you evolved to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting because, you know, when I look at it on paper, it, um, you know, is absolutely the the nonlinear path that it seems to be. But, you know, my experience of it um, completely makes sense how I went from one place to the other. So I came from originally from a small town in rural Louisiana, um, never had any thoughts of moving outside, outside of my tiny town, much less, you know, across the country and and becoming uh, a professional dancer. But for me, um, it was really, I got married young and moved. My husband was in the Air Force and ended up in the DC area and was was really looking for a way to prove to myself and to my family and all of the you know people that I had grown up with that I was big and I was I could find my power and I could find my place in the world and so um, I had met someone along the way who had tried out for a professional dance team and I thought well that's the biggest thing I could ever imagine um, and you know I went and and tried out for three different teams that year because, you know, we're fortunate enough to have, um, you know, easy local access uh, in the area that I was in. And I didn't make it past the first round in any of these things, right? So it was like, you know, I was was a young woman and I had convinced myself that I was brave and I was going to do this big thing and I didn't make it. And I said, well, you know, 
well, now what do you do? Like, what do you do when you when you've decided that your heart's like set on on doing this this accomplishment? And I was going to prove everyone wrong, and then that I didn't get there. And I think for me and my in my young life, that was the first time I'd ever been faced with this idea of, you know, what are my boundaries? What, what, how high can we go? Can hard work and planning, you know, get me where I need to be? Or are there things that just aren't attainable or accessible to me? Um, and that was the first time I'd ever had to consult that question. And so uh, thankfully, I took that year between not making it past the first round at all three auditions and um, and getting into the next the next cycle and really you know sought counsel and tried to figure out how was I going to become this person you know that I wanted to be I had I had gotten pregnant at eighteen and had my first baby at nineteen and so I was twenty five pounds overweight I had been diagnosed with prediabetes and uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome so I had some health things going on that were related to my fitness level. And I said, you know, um, I really want this and I'm going to do what I have to do. And at the time I was in college full time and working full time and I had this little one. And so it was like 5 a.m., you know, waking up and and doing the best I can. And And people, I found that people wanted to help me, right? Like people could see that I was interested, that I was willing to do the work, and that and that I just needed input. I just needed help, and um, and I think that was another another great lesson that came through that. So um, I ended up, you know, losing the twenty five pounds and and getting rid of my pre diabetes diagnosis, and you know, my cycles were regular again. So PCOS wasn't impacting me as much, and uh, and I think it's what actually first inspired my interest in medicine and fitness and and gave me the sense that you know I could I could do things I was in control of my life somewhat and um you know I I made the team and and that also ended up being a really positive force for me because coming from this rural area where a lot of the women that I looked up to took care of the home and they supported their husbands and they raised their children Um, I didn't have a lot of female role models that were doing big things outside of the home. And so um, entering that world of cheerleading, I was able to, you know, I had access to politicians who were doing big things and, you know, newscasters and TV people and uh, people leading, women leading, you know, corporations and things like that. And so it really opened up this whole world of what was possible and what being a young woman could mean for me. That's so, quite the story. And I feel like you hit it. I mean, as you're telling it, I was like, oh, I see the the seeds that were planted and like, you know, healthcare and medicine, like early on for you, just from your personal experiences, it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another thing that, you know, that I really, an opportunity I had from that experience was uh, the NFL has a tight relationship with the USO. And, um, and so I really had the opportunity to volunteer in ways that I wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity. Um, my dad was a veteran. And so I hopped on, you know, volunteered for all the all of the things that had to do with the troops. And um, I ended up meeting and forming relationships with people at Walter Reed Army Medical Center at the time is what it was called. Um, and this was during during the time that we had 
young people who were essentially the same age as I was coming back injured from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, um, and I was able to complete an internship. They asked me to complete an internship there as a recreational therapist. So, you know, they didn't really have it before. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in medicine, but they said, look, you know, we like your energy. Why don't you come on board? And I'm sure we can find something inspiring and useful for you to do. And, you know, and I was able to go in, you know, day in and day out and work with alongside these occupational therapists and physical therapists and you know, doctors and surgeons and and seeing what an impact that they were able to have on these young soldiers and their families and their kids and, you know, their relationships. And um, and, you know, it was it was history by that point. Right. I said, OK, I'm in the midst of this like of you know, trying to dance professionally and do all of this, but that's not going to last forever. And when I've decided it's over, I know where I'm going. So that's, that's awesome. There. What a journey. Yeah, it was, you know, it was exciting. It was fresh. It was something that I, that I never expected, but it's also been, I think the most impactful source of positive reinforcement that I've ever lived through, right? It was like, this thing that was denied to me. And then I worked really hard for it. And, and I just, just kept getting help along the way and kept getting inputs along the way um, that encouraged me to keep going and, and essentially, you know, have changed my life from here on out. So from there, how did you end up evolving into your own, your own entrepreneurial spirit, quite frankly? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was an even longer journey. So, you know, I was, I was, uh, here with the NFL for a couple of years. I ended up moving overseas. I was in Frankfurt and danced with the dance team that was associated with the Frankfurt galaxy. So back when the NFL E was a thing. Um, and so that was, you know, just a wonderful opportunity. I was able to travel around Europe and, you know, meet new people and experience new cultures. Um, but at some point, my body decided that it was tired of trying to keep up with the 22-year-olds that I was dancing near. And I said, okay, you know, maybe this is that moment I've been waiting for. Um, and I actually had learned German uh, so that I could apply to medical school um, in Frankfurt. Had taken a semester there and then was hearing all of these, you know, scary stories about how if I finish school there, I may not be able to get a residency here in the United States, and I may not ever be able to come home and practice. And and for me, that was, um, you know, I, I had to do some soul searching at that point and decide, you know, where did I want to go with my life? What was I doing? Um, so at that point, I had been overseas for several years. I had been dancing and was not, you know, in the exercise science. I wasn't using my degree. Um, and so I wanted to come back to the U.S. so that I could apply to medical school, apply to PA school, sort of figure out what was going on. Um, but I was having trouble getting a job. And, you know, it was tough. And so I, you know, I applied, I applied. I wasn't getting any responses. And so I ended up reaching out to people that I had previously worked with. And I said, you know, does anybody have anything? And I was able to get a very entry-level position um, that didn't pay very well, wasn't anything super exciting, but part of the job was to work on this research study as a liaison with um, with Hopkins 
doing work with patients who were suffering from metabolic syndrome, which is essentially a very, very similar um, to what I had been diagnosed with before, uh, this pre-diabetes sort of insulin resistance um, and, uh, you know, hypertension and some other, some other things going along with that. But I said, wow, you know, to work with Hopkins, what an opportunity. So I took the job. Little did I know that the, um, the COO of the company that had hired me, this was his pet project. And so he was in on these meetings. I had no idea who this gentleman was, right? But I'm here doing the best I can, trying to figure out what I'm doing. And, uh, and at some point, you know, I, I got a call and they said, well, we need you to go. We need you to come to Charlottesville. And I was like, well, what's in Charlottesville? Like, I don't understand. I'm, I was in the D.C. area. And anyway, and they said, well, the COO wants to meet with you. He thinks you're doing a good job and wants to see if you can do something more. Wow. Right. Right. So this was like, you know, so then I'm thinking, well, I always wanted to practice medicine, but do I need to practice medicine? Because really what I want is to help people. I want to help people, you know, lose weight and be more confident and be the healthiest version of themselves. And so anyway, so I end up, you know, long story short, I go to Charlottesville. I end up getting promoted several times. Things are wonderful. I'm in this space where I'm like working with these people, these doctors at Hopkins that I think are amazing. And I'm, I, you know, we're designing programs um, for corporate wellness initiatives and, and I'm, I'm checking all the boxes, but I was missing this, this fulfillment of being able to sit next to a patient and explain something to them or oh. that, like that emotional connection of being able to empower an, an individual with you know information and confidence and and all of that which is essentially what i really wanted out of this whole thing and so you know i i did some soul searching again and i said you know i really i really think i need this so i had decided that i was going to apply to pa school you know my my chain of command was you know very supportive but at the same time didn't want to lose me i got into pa school they offered me, you know, to double my salary. And I said, you know, I think this is something I just need for me. So I start school and immediately COVID happens. Oh. And the world was upside down. And so, you know, it turned out for me that that was just, it was, it was great. It was great that I had decided to pursue that at that time because, you know, I, the world wasn't going to go on the way that it was. And so, you know, so I finished school. I started working in the emergency room and I now have that opportunity that I want, right? To sit next to my patients and, and guide them through. But now I want scale, right? Now I'm greedy and I'm like, okay, well, it's nice for, you know, the people I'm able to see to be able to do this. But what if I could do this for five times as many people? What if I could, you know, have a greater impact? And so, you know, at that point, I said, okay, maybe there's a way, maybe there's a way for me to do both. And that's sort of what prompted this, this transition into entrepreneurship, even though I've still got my foot in the door in the emergency department. I love that. I mean, that is a fantastic story. And I, I love that you had said too, how can I help more people on a bigger mm -hmm. basis, which is yeah. beautiful. 
I think it's, I mean, it's, it's so selfish, but it's so wonderful, right? Like uh, I want to help people and I want to see that impact. And so it's been a great journey. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying entrepreneurship. I'm enjoying meeting people like you and, you know, just networking and finding out, you know, more about the, the people in the world. Thank you for sharing. Of course. <laughs> so one additional thing, well, we talk about lots of things on this podcast, clearly, but one thing we like to talk about is also money memories. So with that journey, I'm sure at some point you had a relationship with money, maybe with a younger person or as a you know small child. What was a money memory that you have that you feel kind of molded your relationship to money as it is now and, and has it evolved as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's an interesting concept of money memories. Um, and I, I don't know that I can definitively say I understand what my relationship is with money even now. Um, my first, my first memories of when I realized that money was impactful and that it mattered, um, probably stem from early childhood when I was 10, my parents got divorced. And prior to that time, you know, we had enough money that I didn't think about money. Um, my dad was in the oil field. My mom was a stay at home mom. And uh, my dad actually got laid off when I was 10. And, you know, my first introduction to what is money and does it matter was really, you know, my parents uh, arguing every night, you know, yelling at each other regarding what were they going to do regarding this, you know, this layoff and this huge change. My dad had uh, been a veteran and come home and taken over his father's business and had never had a chance to uh, go to college and was really hoping to be able to go to college during that time. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom and had finished nursing school, but had never worked and was nervous about entering the workforce herself. And it just created a lot of conflict, um, which eventually ended their marriage. Um, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was it was impactful to me as a young girl. Uh, with no control over the financial situation. And and I do think that it's something that taught me that money is unpredictable and scary and life-altering. And from that point, we went from being, you know, very comfortable middle-class family to, um, to living in two separate houses that both households were very much under the poverty line, um, greatly changed the situation. My dad did end up going back to school. My mom did, um, you know, work as a nurse at night. And she, it's interesting, she ended up, you know, taking a settlement or something that she had gotten out of the divorce and uh, wanted to buy a business with it because she wasn't making ends meet nursing. And so she took all of the money out of the retirement account or, you know, wherever this was, I don't know, it was 10. Um, and she bought a, she bought a skating rink and I was, you know, probably 12 at this time. My brother was fresh in college and she bought the skating rink and she had this vision, uh, you know, that she was going to make it like a, a fun, you know, family business. My brother was working there and, he was interested in helping because he was a young man and he was learning. And in my eyes, he was an adult. 
Um, but the business failed. The business oh. failed. And my mom entered in a, into a deep depression at that time. My brother um, felt responsible, even though, you know, as adult, as an adult now, I look at it and I say, well, he was, you know, he was a 20 year old. How responsible could he have been for this, you know, for this large thing? But he ended up, um, you know, really suffering and 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 struggling from that. And I think that that is a moment that really changed the course of his life. Um, and so it was like two years in a row, right? I ended up in this place where my life had been greatly affected by money and I had no idea, you know, what was happening. There was no control. It was just, it was just life altering. And I really spent the rest of my childhood, um, watching both of my parents make ends meet. And we lived in houses that, you know, there was no, there was heat in one room of the house. And, you know, the whole family slept in one room because that's what we could afford to heat. And, you know, the the roof leaked. And when the roof would leak, you would pull all of the pots out. And, the, you know, and it wasn't like it leaked like in one spot. It was like you emptied the kitchen of the pots and went them around the house. And this is what we thought was normal. Um, and, you know, there's... I tell I tell my my kids now who you know have lived a, a more comfortable and safe and stable life financially like there are things that that you learn that I didn't get to learn right like like of course you don't spend a hundred percent of every dollar that you make but for me it was well if we want to eat. Let's go dig for change out of the couch cushions or let's go dig for change in the car so that we could go to the bread store on the day before they throw out the bread and get the bread for 90% off. Like, you know, this was a different reality. Um, and I feel like I feel like all of those things made me who I am today. And I'm. I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy to be empathetic and to understand other people's situations and to be grateful for the things that I have and the opportunities that I have. Um, but it's a there's an effect to that. And I'm certain that it's affected my ability to make money and my self-confidence and my relationship with money in my business and in my personal life. Well, thank you for sharing. And it sounds like you're able to teach your children lessons financially that you weren't able to learn because of your situation before, but hopefully they can learn from what you've been through. And then also with the, you know, tools that you're providing them now. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, we all, as parents, we do the best we can. Um, and I'm, and I'm happy that I've had, you know, this as part of my story, but it's, it's certainly something that, you know, I, I think I took away from that experience that I could be a good person and not have money. But what I didn't realize, I think for many years, was that that doesn't mean that having money makes me a bad person. And I I think that like that took me so much longer to to come to, right? But it was almost like I was I was running away from opportunities to be powerful or financially empowered 
because I wanted to be a good person. And I convinced myself that, you know, being poor and being okay with it was, was the route to that. And so, you know, it's, it's an adventure and it's, it's a mindset that uh, still requires work sometimes, but. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I, I appreciate you being vulnerable and raw in that moment too. So another thing we like to chat through is financial infidelities, whether it's something that you've experienced or something that you, you know, had someone else experience that you were able to witness. What's something that you're open to sharing that you think folks could learn from? Yeah. When I think about financial or when I think about infidelities at all, I think about like actions that aren't congruent with my value system or what I believe. Right. Um, and I think probably the biggest one that stands out for me was in my first marriage. Um, coming from the background that I came from, I didn't know a lot about money. I didn't understand a lot about, I don't know, the way a mortgage works or the way a retirement account works and things like that. And and in my virtue to be a good wife or, you know, a good partner, I took myself out of that equation. So, so when, when conversations would come up about, you know, retirement or what should we do or how should we do these things, I, I tended to, you know, defer to my husband to make those choices and give away my power. And then, and then if for some reason the situation didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to be later, or I, you know, decided to learn about it later, then I found it really easy to be resentful of whatever choices he had made as if he had taken that power from me. Um, and, and that's certainly not something that I'm proud of. And it's certainly not a way that, you know, I would encourage other women to be or other people to be. Um, but I, I think that that was the place that I was in. Um, and, and it's something that, you know, wasn't fair to me and wasn't fair, uh, to my husband. It was, and was certainly something that I would, I would say is a money infidelity, right? Like, like stepping away and not taking responsibility for not taking power for financial decisions really took power away from me in my relationship, in my, existence as a human, right? As an adult yeah. in a lot of ways that I, that I didn't realize at the time. That is a super interesting perspective. Super interesting. Thank you for sharing that too. Um, that's actually the first time I've heard that perspective. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think that will be, you know, for folks that are listening, hopefully impactful because that's true, right? That's so yeah. true because you do want to have an integral part in that financial relationship, whatever that looks like. And I always share too, like with, you know, when clients come in and there's one that's more active and the other one doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. participate as much. I'm like, what if, Lord forbid, mm -hmm. something happens to that person? Yeah. What's that going to look like? I mean, I think of my own personal experiences, right? Sure. My grandpa was the guy. My grandpa was, my grandma was not. And when he passed, we were like, oh gosh, what does this look like now? So I think really having, you know, regardless of what that looks like, budgeting, sure. checkbooks, investments, whatever that is, yes, take an active role. But thank you for sharing that too. Yeah. And it's something that's really, I mean, it's had such a huge impact, you know, on me since since realizing that, right? Like since coming to that that realization. 
And it's interesting because I'm I'm not always able to share that effectively, like with my, you know, with my parents or with other people um, to convey the power that I have from, from being knowledgeable and in control of my own money. Um, but it's something that, you know, in my, in my current relationship, I, I insist on having my own money. And, and it's almost like I have it set up where we have joint, joint expenses in one account, but then my, like, it feels like a, like a gift. Like I get to contribute my portion to this joint account because I am an adult that participates and takes responsibility for my decisions. But at the same time, um, I feel more free to be me and I feel like he's more free to be him. And I never, I never really understood that before. So I remember once we were, when we were dating early on, we went to a bar and I was like in a position where I was like, I was in school and I was not in a position to be buying the entire bar a drink. Um, and frankly, in my opinion, neither was he. But he said, hey, you know, <laughs> he met these people and he was like, uh, I'm going to buy the next round for everybody. And I remember thinking I was angry, right? I was angry inside. Like, why, why would you buy the next round for everyone? You can't afford that. And then it occurred to me that my money was my money and his money was his money. And the money that was going, you know, into the the joint expenses was not going to be affected by any decision, right? And it's, you know, it's a silly, it's a silly story, but I feel really empowered and I feel like I have permission to, I don't know, buy the fancy bread at the grocery store if that's what I want to do with my money. And it's been, um, you know, it's a lesson that I really wish I had learned earlier on. Oh, well, that's a good one. Thank you for sharing that. And that actually ties into my next and last question as we wrap things yeah. up. So when it comes to money, how are you utilizing it different or uniquely in your own household? And that also kind of ties into what you just shared as well. Yeah. So um, I really have come to love budgeting. So I don't budget. Yes. I write, I don't budget everything um, because I know, you know, if I do a line item for everything, then it's, it takes up too much of my time and I can't, can't keep track of everything. Right. But I've got like, I've got a number that I'm comfortable spending on the credit card for all of the joint like expenses. Right. And it's interesting because my personal credit card, it's like, it's easier to, to fudge. Right. But when I'm sharing with this person, it's like, well, this is what we agreed. And, and I think, you know, back to teaching my kids things, it's been a really fun adventure. We've done this for several years now, but it's like, you know, if we say that we're going to spend a hundred dollars on groceries for the month, which obviously is exaggerated, right? But once it gets to 95, it's like, okay, we're poor guys. We are poor. Like, what are we going to do for dinner, right? It almost becomes like a game of like, how can we, how can we stick to this limit that we've set for ourselves not because like when i was a child there isn't anything else but because this is what we've decided we believe is appropriate and we would like to do and i think that's been um it's been really refreshing and nice to find a way to make that a fun experience and a good experience so and way to teach your kids and be on the same page with your partner as well yeah 
it's it's it worked out nicely. I'm happy about it. Well, thank you so much. Like such a pleasure meeting you and having you share. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And hopefully those of you listening will join us in our next Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management. 